This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you today. Joining me right now is Clayton the Tripod, who is sitting on my lap as I record this. Clayton, say hello to the people. Isn't that just the greatest sound ever? Nothing better on a relaxing Saturday morning, which is when I am recording this with a cat in your lap. Um, Just enjoying the fact that it's not raining anymore here in Jersey City, where it has been raining pretty much continuously since not this past Friday, but the Friday before that. We had some sunny weather on Wednesday. Um, but other than that, it's it's been a real uh, Noah's Ark kind of a situation. I actually have a kind of a funny story to tell about that, which I will tell you in a moment. But first, I do want to let you know that coming up later in today's episode, I will be speaking with author, humorist, the the comedic genius behind I Could Pee on This, and a host of other humorous books about cats, Francesco Marciuliano who I am thrilled to have on the podcast. And and I have to say, I'm going to keep this part up front today kind of short uh, because we ended up talking for a while. We we actually really hit it off. And we had a conversation that entertained the two of us to no end. I, I'm not entirely sure how entertaining it's going to be for other people, but we found it very entertaining, and and hopefully you will find it at least somewhat entertaining. And of course, uh, Mr. Marcelliano has a new book coming out on Tuesday, October 3rd, and it's called Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats. And it is hilarious, which you probably already suspected, but please allow me to confirm for you that you will indeed laugh out loud. But before we get to that, I, I do have a quick rain-related cat story to tell. So those of you who are longtime listeners may have heard me talk from time to time about the cat who belongs to the people who live across the street. Um, The cat's name is Loki. She is a a girl named Loki. Um, And she is an indoor-outdoor cat, a beautiful cat, long a long-furred black and white cat with big green eyes and and just a and a little freckly nose which I just love she's got a little black splotch on on her little pink nostril um which I just absolutely adore and she is a very sweet cat but also and I've discussed this previously as well she appears to have some sort of synesthesia she gets very overstimulated very quickly so she will run up to people desperate for them to pet her but after they pet her for about two seconds she will hiss and scratch um, and sometimes bite so you know it's always uh Every so often, I observe from my living room window some new person who is not familiar with her who just happens to be walking down our street, and she begins trotting after them in a very friendly way, and they turn around to pet her, and it all goes beautifully um, for a 
about 15 seconds and and then it all just goes south very quickly. Anyway, um, lots of people in the neighborhood feed her. And I don't know if this is because her humans do not feed her sufficiently or because she's just always hungry. She is very slender. So it's not she's not one of those cats who, you know, like, like you every so often you hear a story about a chubby indoor outdoor cat who's being fed unbeknownst to by anyone involved by six or seven different families in the neighborhood. There are a few different people who feed her. I, I myself was someone who fed her from time to time early in the pandemic. And this is because what she does is she lies in front of the front door of the families that sometimes feed her and waits for them to come outside and notice that she's there and give her food. But of course, during quarantine, people were going outside a lot less. And I fed her a few times because I we have a back deck. My desk, where I work all day, is pressed flush up against a set of French doors that don't open, but that overlook the back deck. And even when I'm not at my desk, our downstairs is basically just one big room. So the point being, she doesn't have to sit and wait in front of the front door for someone to walk out and notice her, which could take hours. I pretty much notice her as soon as she shows up on the deck. And I fed her a few times. Uh, the reason I stopped feeding her was because I, I, what I don't want is a situation where the other people who feed her stop feeding her. Uh, my husband and I are not planning on staying here forever. We have plans that would take us out of this house, uh, potentially out of the United States within a couple of years. And I don't know whether or not that's actually going to happen, but I also don't know how old this cat is. And what I do not want is a situation where everyone who normally feeds her has stopped feeding her because I'm always feeding her. And then one day, two or three years after this has become the case, I leave and the cat is not properly cared for, let's say. Um, I have considered the possibility of simply rehoming her to my home. Uh, there are various reasons why this is ultimately not a good idea. I don't want to belabor the point here, but certainly chief among them is that she does actually belong to someone, and I have no reason to believe that they abuse or mistreat or starve her. And so taking her from them seems pretty not only drastic, but but probably just morally and ethically wrong unless I really have good reason to believe that they are abusing her. Uh, and every interaction I've seen between her and them seems to be friendly and gentle, so there is no reason for me to believe that. Anyway, um, the exception to this rule, however, of my not feeding Loki is when it rains, because what happens is our back deck does not have an overhang or anything like that. It, it's just there outside. When it rains, it rains on the whole deck. And she will be sitting there right outside the window, right next to my leg. She's like, like sort of cringes up against the, she scrunches as close as she can get to the glass, as close as she can get to me while still being outside. So basically there is a very thin pane of glass that is separating me from her. And of course I am inside and dry and warm and she is sitting outside with the rain falling on her and, and cold and Look, I again, I, I still believe that the, as a matter of policy, the best thing, honestly, that I can do for this cat, who will probably live longer than I will live here, is to not become too involved in her life. Uh, but I, I cannot sit there and watch her sitting there in the rain 
waiting for hoping that I will feed her. It it it's it is a quite literally unbearable agony. And I don't even bother trying to do it anymore. And so she and I sort of have this understanding that when the weather is bad, if it's raining or snowing, then I will feed her. She has sort of learned that I do not feed her in general, but she has grokked that I am unable to resist feeding her when the weather is bad. And so I'll, I'll go outside and I have a giant umbrella that I bring and I, and I open the umbrella and I hold it over the two of us while she eats. And then she finishes up and, and is able to run back to the front porch of her house where she can be out of the rain and, and all is well. And of course, this past week, it has rained every day except for Wednesday. So at, from the last, out of the last nine or 10 days, it has rained eight or nine of them. So I have been feeding Loki quite a bit. And I have noticed, and I don't know if this is because she is becoming more used to being somewhat well-fed, because I, of course, am able to feed her regular, more regular hours than she gets from the other people who feed her sort of haphazardly. So I don't know if it's it's because she's adjusting to that or if she's just you know coming to take our situation for granted but she's become sort of finicky about the food that I put out and I found myself yesterday and yesterday was probably the hardest rain that we've seen in this region all week and and if you've been watching the news paying attention on on Twitter and social media then you have seen stories about the the insane flooding in air in New York City Hoboken, which is very close to me, parts of Jersey City. I live in an area that is on higher ground and my house is actually on a hill. So we did not have any flooding in my immediate vicinity. The cat was not running around in flooding weather, but it was raining incredibly hard. And so I'm standing out there in the rain. I mean, and the umbrella is barely keeping us dry. It's raining that hard. And I'm standing over this cat and and the bowl of food with the umbrella And she takes a couple of bites and doesn't like it and starts pawing at my leg. And I figured, all right, all right. Uh, So I went in and got her, you know, again, I feel sorrier for her than I do for my cats. Because honestly, with my cats at this point, every can of food that I buy for them is something that they've eaten before. And if they really don't like it, I won't keep buying it. But I am not in the habit of, you know, right at the moment, picking up one bowl of food and putting down another one the second Clayton turns up his nose because not every meal in life gets to be a fiesta. And that goes for cats as well as humans. Sometimes you just have to eat the okay food that's in front of you, even if it's not the meal you would select as your last meal if you were on death row. Having said that, though, Again, this is a cat who spends a lot of her time outside and a lot of her time waiting for people to feed her. And I have a higher sympathy level for her than I do for my own very coddled, very cosseted Clayton. I'm sorry, Clayton is sitting right (laughs) right here while I'm talking about him. And he's looking at me like, what are you bringing me into this for? But you know I'm right. You know it's true. Anyway, so she didn't like the first food. Uh, I I brought out a second bowl of food. She didn't like that either. I, I, I brought out, I kid you not, I brought out a third. So now there's three bowls of a very high end cat food on the back porch because we feed our cats uh, 
we we spoil our cats in this house, which I, I guess will come as no surprise to anyone. So we 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 purchase um, unnecessarily expensive things at times. Anyway, so there are now three bowls of of food. Uh, she's not eating any of them. I'm staying, you know, I'm going in and out from the rain, opening the umbrella, and and I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. And and I wait there for a minute to see if my not immediately running back in like a faithful human servant to get her another bowl of food will induce her to eat at least one of them. And by the way, every bowl that I've put down is something that she has eaten at least once previously this week. So it's not like I'm trying to introduce her to new and exotic foods. I understand enough about the way cats work that when you find something they like, you stick with, you ride that out for as long as you can. But I cannot accept that she got completely tired of three different foods over the course of of one week. Um, So I'm standing out there in the rain. It, It is now a contest of wills. Um, I, I guess she wins in the sense that she does not eat the food, but I also win in the sense that after three, I, I'm done. And so I went back inside. I took the umbrella finally and went back inside. She continues to sit there in the rain um, on right on the other side of the window of my desk, looking at me while the, this pouring rain is pouring down and she is a soaking wet bedraggled cat. And I got to tell you, I was I was a hair's breadth away from going out with a fourth can of food because I, I really cannot stand to see her sitting in the rain, looking at me like that, less than a quarter of an inch away from my leg, even though she is technically outside and I am inside. Uh, but what happened next settled the matter, and that is um, that a skunk came up onto our and, – and I know that – I've seen occasional skunks in our neighborhood – um, came up onto the back deck and proceeded with without any finickiness at all to eat all three bowls of the food that I had put out for the cat. So now I, I, I'm apparently now in the business of feeding one of the neighborhood skunks. I, I, I just cannot tell you how overjoyed I am about that. And I did notice that same skunk this morning kind of hanging around on our deck a little bit. I It is not raining this morning, and I did not put out any food for Loki. I, I am hoping that the skunk does not start coming around in bad weather like Loki does. And, and I cannot help but feel that the two of them, upon prolonged contact and or competition for bowls of food, are not going to find that they get along very well. So, so let's hope it does not come to that. I feel like there is a lesson somewhere in here about no good deed going unpunished. Uh, now, of course, when I go out onto the back deck, I'm very carefully looking around before I open the door to make sure there are no skunks there because that is all that's missing in my life is is becoming a social pariah who has to take tomato soup or tomato juice baths all because I was trying to feed a hungry cat in the rain. I think there's probably a, a moral of the story in here about no good deed going unpunished. Uh, but we still believe in good deeds here in the Cooper Lerman household. Uh, we would just prefer not to feed skunks insofar as it is possible for us to avoid doing so. And on that note, I'm going to take a a very short break of about 30 seconds or so. And when I come back, I will be speaking with Francesco Marciuliano about his new book, Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, and stick around for more Curl Up with a Cat Tale.
Thanks so much for sticking around. Today's guest is the number one New York Times bestselling author of I Could Pee on This and Other Poems by Cats, along with Claw the System, Poems from the Cat Uprising, You Need More Sleep, Advice from Cats, I Could Pee on This Too, and All Cats Are Introverts, along with numerous other titles. He's also the writer of the comic strips Sally Forth and Judge Parker, and won two 2007 Daytime Emmys as head writer for the PBS series Seymour's Playhouse. He lives with his two cats, Kiki and Lilo, and he joins us today to discuss his new book, Oh, It's You, Love Poems by Cats, Available in hardcover on Tuesday, October 3rd, wherever books are sold. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Francesco Marcelliano. Did, did I did I get that right? Did I say oh, that perfect. correctly? Yeah, no. I mean that 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 was that was extremely Italian, more than I've ever been. Well done. <laughs> so so you're a New York Italian, despite your your very authentic straight from the hills of Tuscany sounding kind of a name. Oh yeah, I mean you you can you can hear the Milan in my voice, but um I'm half I'm half Italian, half Portuguese. Oh, interesting. Very interesting, actually. Um although I I have to say that I don't see the Portuguese part in your name at all. Or or is Francesco the same in Portuguese as it is in Italian? It's close. It's Francisco. Francisco. It's, it's very similar to Spanish in in that regard, yeah. But very no, interesting. Yeah, the name is aggressively Italian, you know. <laughs> it is. So has anyone ever been surprised upon meeting you? I mean, obviously you're an author and and you write in English, but I'm sure you must do a million of these interviews. Has anyone ever been surprised to find that you are American and speak with an entirely American accent? Was anyone ever expecting to hear you break out in Italian upon being introduced? No one wants to hear my Italian, first off. I, I know more Portuguese than I know Italian. Um, no, I think I think once I open my mouth, they're going, oh, yeah, there's the Northeast. Or sometimes even more specific, oh, there's Long Island. Okay, Long Island. Long Island? What are you going to do? Long Island. My father's from Long Island originally. Oh, where, do you mind saying where? Are you gonna uh, I, I wish I could. You know, I always want to say, I, I can never honestly remember where, which is a terrible thing to admit. He moved when he was 12, so he didn't like to, to talk about Long Island all that no much. No one it likes was... to talk about Long Island. <laughs> Actually, this is a true story, and, and then I want to talk about your book, but okay. I grew up in Miami, and uh, one time, I mean, years ago, I was out driving. I was in a terrible hurry to get wherever it was because, you know, I was young and I was a jerk, basically. And so I was going like <laughs> 90 miles an hour on the highway, and a cop pulls me over, and I roll down the window, and he comes over, and he's got this thick, thick Long Island accent. He goes, where are you going in such a hurry? And I said, what are you, a cop? And uh, I got out of the ticket. <laughs> and you bonded on colloquialism and the accent. It all worked out well. Exactly. Now, where, where I am from, I know we're not even talking about cats yet, but where I am from is a town called Dix Hills. And every so often, no matter where I've lived, someone has said, oh, I know someone from Dix Hills. I hated them. It's like, thank you. <laughs> Long Island has a rep is what I'm saying. And we try to it keep does. it strong. Yeah. Indeed, it does. But we will we will try not to hold that against you. Please do not hold it against me that I am from Florida. <laughs> you know what? If you noticed, I remained quiet. You did. That was very good of you. That that was very very kind of you. I've uh, just lost an entire market. I'm I'm so happy this worked out well. That was a you, sincere comment on my part. <laughs> you you and me both. I'm, I'm actually Fun. a very proud Floridian, and I always have been. And um. 
You know, even when I visit Austin and you see all the signs that say, keep Austin weird. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are amateurs in the weirdness Olympics. I am from Florida. We are hardcore there. I've seen the Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But let's, let's talk about cats. Let's talk about your book. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. You have so many books that you've written about cats and yet you, you seem to, to find like an endless wellspring of inspiration. And so I have to ask how much of that comes from directly from your cats and how much from your own imagination? Um, I, it would probably wouldn't sound great. It's like, oh, you know, my imagination is so wonderful that I could no. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously I work from home and the I have two remarkably friendly cats who do not leave me alone. And so there is that. The other aspect of the books is I use the the poems to talk about things I want to talk about in terms of relationships or anything like that. So it kind of goes part of it is about cats and part of it is about people through cats. You know, and, and, and it's very that is my TED talk. So thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think that's a fair point, because, look, I mean, certainly I, I would say that. I mean, having read your your I could pee on this series, I suppose <laughs> it's fair to call it. I, all of a sudden, I feel like I'm getting very you know NPR. So, in talking about your I could pee on this series, so, um, Terry, what were you discussing here in this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but in reading your books, on the one hand, I would say that certainly you have a very dry sense of humor. Nobody could accuse you of excessive sentimentality. <laughs> um, and yet, by the same token, there is obviously a very real love for and understanding of your cats that that comes through. And I, for one, have always sort of felt that that there are things that are applicable in human relationships that I have learned in my relationships with animals over the years. Um, hold on, Clayton, no. No. <laughs> oh, perfectly timed. I, I, I said you that could not, like, I, I don't know if you can hear this in the background, but he's trying to claw. I, I record in my closet. It's just the best room for soundproofing. Oh, remember, this is audio. You could be acting this all, and I have no idea. That Maybe that is actually better. I don't know what's going on. But you should have got like the big saw blade so I can imitate thunder in a moment. You have a Foley artist in the background. <laughs> you um that that would be a lot of cool stuff if that were true my husband would never get out of my closet so i it's (laughs) he would just be in here playing with stuff all day um but anyway it it joins a a sort of uh it's it's kind of like a boudoir setup you know it's it's a dressing room and closet and my cat is clawing at a a cabinet right now trying to open it um that wasn't really a story that went anywhere so you let's know what? Just, every you know. anecdote has its own heart in it you know you just have to find the story it worked out perfectly oh you are much kinder to other writers I than, was riveted, than i am okay i just want you to know i was riveted are you stopped at what was going to happen next okay <laughs> there, there was really nothing happening that was it was less plot centric than character centric i think the jim jarmish so, film it's you you see the moment happen it's, it's wonderful. i i, I I, I feel like we, we keep getting off on these tangents. We're never going to discuss my book and I need I really it. want you. Let's talk about it. So this time you were centering on love poems. This is not just poems from cats. This is love poems from cats. So was it out of a sense that you needed to kind of explore the, the softer side of living with cats? Or was it just the next natural frontier? Or, or how did that progression happen? I mean, part of it, yes, is it is finding a new angle for cats to talk about. Uh, that that sentence only works in the context of my career. Outside of that, that would be odd. But it's yeah, it is that. It is thoughts that I've had with relationships as well, 
And, you know, so the cats, like the comic strips that I write, they're conduits for whatever I'm dealing with at the moment. And uh, so it is very much that. But yeah, what I wanted to do was craft a uh, essentially a love story because it's broken into four parts, which is the meeting, then the getting to know each other, then knowing each other a little too much, like what happens in any relationship after several years. And then coming to the conclusion at the end is like, this was a wonderful time together. You know, my, and, my husband uh, and I just celebrated our 15th anniversary, so I know exactly oh, <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, I'm sorry. You know what? I, I I had a great question, actually, based on what you just said, and it sort of flew out of my mind. But one thing I, I noticed that you you seem to deal with a lot are, I mean, uh, the obvious, right, the imperfections of, of life with cats. And, and there are imperfections in every relationship and in every life. And, and of course, there is... Uh, you know, a, a very nice philosophy that says that the imperfections, you know, kind of that that Japanese wabi-sabi, you know, the imperfections are what create the beauty Broken plate that makes of the, the whole. Plate, yeah. Exactly. Um, I had a friend once who used to say that the cracks are how the light gets in, um, which I thought was a very That's lovely really way of putting that. Um, but But that definitely seems to be something that you center on. I mean, that you talk about a lot, like one definitely senses the the ultimate perfection that you find in the relationship because of the imperfections i yeah i agree whether or not that was the through line while i was writing it i can't confess to that but it is writing about the moments that to bring back what you said earlier about the uh, sentimentality i can be i can cry at commercials so i can be very sentimental i'm probably cr- gonna cry right after one right after this on youtube and add that i don't even want to see for four seconds i'll cry <laughs> But the, um, I don't, the, the sentimentality can be used, can, can actually steal away the heart of a story. And I don't want to use it where going cute. See, like if you look through the books, there's never a cat wearing glasses or a bow tie. Cats can look beautiful in those things. Although I will say the cover is a picture of a cat wearing what appears to be a garland of flowers on her head. Right. And just by looking dead eyed at you. The idea was to make it as dry as possible, dressed up. It, you know, flowers often are romance, often are love, often are like that. And just True. looking straight at you because the title is written with periods in it. The whole point is, you know, to be dry. Like, oh, it's you. Yeah, I, I definitely read it that way. Like, oh, <laughs> because that's sort of like flat like- kind of bordering on disappointment, but not quite there. Right. I was away for six weeks. I was in Portugal for six weeks. Obviously, someone was with the cats the whole time. It's like, hey, I think they're going to develop thumbs by day three. They'll be fine. No, but they were taken care of. <laughs> but when I came in, and these are extremely loving cats. I mean, if I sit down, one cat will stay with me for nine hours. I go to sleep. They're just, I'm on your head, and that's the evening. But I walk in, and both of them were in their position. They looked up. They looked at me, but they didn't run towards me. I think, in part, one of the things was, you know, oh. It's you. And another part's like, you were gone for a while. If you think we're going to go to you, no, you're going to have to work at this. And it it is that regard that cats are actually very loving creatures, extremely loving creatures. The part where people don't think they are is because they compare them to dogs, which are remarkably loving creatures. But dogs are very demonstrative. Cats are not. I mean, it goes as simple as dogs can move eyebrows. Cats don't have any eyebrows to move, so they don't even look like they're acknowledging you. Well, cats do have a fewer facial muscles, especially around the eyes, than dogs do. And so and partly for that reason, cats mouth. have less expressive faces. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, a dog, you can go, that dog is smiling. If a cat smiles, you're like, what's going on? 
Why, why you, then you have to start checking to see if there are any knives missing from the knife block. I think. <laughs> exactly. It's like you, you, you hacked into my account, didn't you? Because <laughs> then you, at that point, you would expect them to start speaking with a British accent because they're the villain of the story. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's diehard, essentially. But, I would like to emphasize for our British listeners, by the way, that, that we are in no way implying no, no, no. that, we, that, we're, that we're, there's we're something inherently villainous about being British. Right, you know. But we are in no way implying. But however, Br- British uh, comedians and British are the experts at dry humor. And I love <laughs> Very it. true. Remarkably. I will say this. This will be an anecdote that will go sideways. I am sorry. So this was, and this will work out well at the very beginning, a public restroom. There's a high line in New York, which is this walking area. It's a beautiful area to walk on. And go to the restroom. We're just waiting. Turn. I know this sounds lovely as a setup. <laughs> but someone had gone into the stall. This is still sounding lovely. I, I should have started with a different anecdote. And <laughs> I'm, res- I'm withholding judgment. No, 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 no. Judge away. But they sat down <laughs> and suddenly, I assume they said that, and suddenly an orange fell out of the stall and just rolled out of the stall. And a man with a very British accent just said, I believe you need more fiber. <laughs> and it was the accent and how quick he was at it. That was like, I now have to leave the bathroom because no one wants to hear giggling in a bathroom. That's not a good thing. <laughs> No, I probably I don't really want anyone I don't know trying to talk to me, but that that's a whole different story. I'm just going to say my publisher is listening to this and going, why do we let him talk? (laughs) Why do we let him? Do we have a cage? We could put him in, put him in the cage. I don't know. Just don't let him out. Oh, I would I would imagine your publisher at this point has uh, I mean, it's so much of what you write is funny. They probably assume that it's all grist for the mill and and so on. But it's a I, very sweet say, way of saying they've given up on me. But yes. <laughs> well, here, so here's a question that I would want to ask. I mean, obviously, you write in a lot of different directions. You don't write exclusively about animals or or about cats. Um, and yet you seem to to keep returning to the subject. And I'm wondering what it is that that continually draws you back. Um, more so than perhaps some of the other subjects that that you explore. I think, well, again, with the comic ship with Sally Forth and Judge Parker and with the books, it is about having characters talk. I love writing dialogue. If anyone reads Sally Forth and they see there's like 700 words a panel, they'll understand what I'm saying. But I do love conversation. Like with comic strips, I'm not a fan of the punchline, but I'm a fan of the reaction. After after what's considered the punchline. And what I like is with this, I can have monologues. These are essentially little monologues. You put the char- you you think of what the character's going through, then you put them in that situation, and then the cat will tell you what to write, which is the thing you always want as a writer. You don't want to, you want to tell them, you just want to report what they're saying. And if I've been doing this enough, and I don't mean to say this with any sort of uh, you know, articulate arm as the pat on back. But I have been doing this enough that I um, do have a sense of if this character and this you can see this with shows that have been running for a while when they know they've hit the zone. They know their character so well. All they have to do is come up with the setting and the characters are going to start talking to one another. And what you want with the cat, it's like this is a cat in this situation. What would they think? And I think part of it is because cats, for the most part, are quiet. You consider that you you take an approach of introspection. And because you're taking that, you also take a lot of inner dialogue. And I work from home, and uh, I have constant inner dialogue. There probably is medication for that, but I have that. And so there is a connection I have with the cats, that they're looking around their environment, they're reacting to their environment. And how do they do that? Because it isn't just sort of like, oh, I want a cat to just say something funny. That's not the case. You know, then it will be jokes. 
but I want the cat to express what they're thinking in this moment. And a lot about relationships that ties into this is often what is said and what is not said. And a lot of the cats is they're sharing it, but you you wouldn't know if this was real life because it's not what's being said, but it's what's going through their mind. And so that's how I approach all these situations. You're never going to know you're going to have a sense, but this is what they're thinking. And a lot of relationships is what is said and what is not said. And what is not said isn't necessarily bad. It's just we all have a running dialogue about what is happening. And so this is the internal dialogue. Wow. So that was the TED Talk. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I imagine you're one of those people who long before you wrote, I could pee on this, it was sort of always speaking for your cats, I mean, to yourself, but but to other people as well, kind of imagining what what your cat, if it could be translated into words, what your cat was thinking. Um, was that what I, originally drew you to writing your first collection of, of poems by cats? Well, I mean, part it's twofold. One, and this is by no means saying cats are inanimate objects. But as a kid, I used to, you know, you play with toys. And what I would do is I would give conversations to the toys like anyone does. But then the comment would be all the toys would suddenly realize we all sound alike. We all have sort of this Long Island accent. What's going on here? <laughs> so, you know, there's the meta thing, which I always like. But, you know, you do have conversations and, you know, you play with Star Wars figures, but you don't go, oh, Luke, we must save this. It's sort of like there is nothing to eat here. And you just have the quiet moments. Like I like Superman comics when it's Clark essentially going to the supermarket going, I can press this moment, but if I press it too hard, I'm going to shatter and they're going to know it's me. And then crap, what am I going to do? The, the everyday stuff, the, 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 the substance stuff. of life. See, you, you said it so much briefer and so much better. The book <laughs> is still good, people. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is that. And um, the original book, I could pee on this, was I had two cats, Boris and Natasha which I will say was because of Tolstoy and not because you know, Moose and Squirrel. Ah. But it was Moose and Squirrel. But um, <laughs> so, it was uh, I, so it was either Rocking Bullwinkle or War and Peace. War and Peace, exactly. One of those two, or the intersection of the two, basically. There you go. That's, I'm, I'm making my most Gen X comment possible. But yeah, so <laughs> the after my second cat, Natasha, passed away, I was very sad. Sure. Boris passed away first. Natasha passed away about three years later. I was very sad. And I wanted to write something about it, but I didn't want to write anything sad. I, I was sad and I genuinely felt it, but I wanted to celebrate them because of how much joy I had with them and, and just how pronounced characters they are. Anyone who has a cat will never say, eh, they're a cat. They will tell you what this cat is like, their character. No one, unless they're not paying attention, they look at their pets, cat, dog, ferret. Why are you getting a ferret? But, you know, but birds, whatever it is. And they will tell you, no, this has a character that maybe other people don't see because they're not spending time with. It. Right. And so I wanted to do that. And I wrote a few poems and um, I sent them to my agent and my agent was like, well, you know, it's, we, you know, it's, you write some more. I didn't realize he had already submitted to someone and I got lucky and Chronicle took it up. But um it was initially to celebrate two cats that I had. So in a way, these poems are always about celebrating the pets I've had. And I've had a lot of pets. And I've been very happy to have those pets. And uh, when I moved into this apartment, one of the first things I asked was, you know, before I got butter, it was just sort of like, what is the pet policy here? And he said, we are the most pet friendly building in Manhattan. To which that, said, That's so really saying there are a lot of pet friendly buildings in Manhattan. But cats, dogs, you know, right? And a lot of a lot of buildings in Manhattan don't care for dogs, so they you know, they specify to such a size that you're going just right. say cat. Sure, that is very true. 
And um, so they said, it's like, you know, you can, we're very friendly, you can have any animal. To which point I said, so can I have a pygmy goat? <laughs> now I thought at that person point, you'd normally get the roll of the eyes. Ah, let me show you the kitchen. But they said, well, you're going to have to carpet it then because of the hoods. <laughs> no, no. That, that, that was actually goat? a very good response. I would have expected yeah, no, something but, about but, like, like hoods and livestock or, you know, something like no, that. No, but it was very dry. But they actually said, you know, and I said, wait, can I get a pygmy goat? I said, well, you have to worry about the neighbors downstairs. Said, no, no, no. I'm about to make a horrible life decision here. Can I get a pygmy goat? What I found out later is the owner, of the, the head of the co-op was like, she would have told you anything to sell the thing. If you said, you know, bison, she would have said, sure, whatever. They, we've got closets, you know. So cats is what I'm saying. So in, in this extraordinarily pet-friendly building that you live in, do you only right. live with cats currently or do you have other pets? I have two. I only have two cats. I go away six to eight weeks every year to Portugal. So it would be, uh, and I always have someone here living with the cats. Okay. But uh, I would love a dog. And one day I will get a dog. I don't want to get a dog. By the way, if you want to hear the long accent, just keep hearing me say the word dog. Dog. Um, but I would not get a do dog. Dog now. Now I'm too aware of it. I would not get a dog now <laughs> because these cats are eight years old. They're very comfortable with their life. And sure. that poor dog would not make it. Because everyone says, like, what happens with a cat and dog? is like, the dog's going to get hurt. <laughs> that, is a, that is a very fair point. And honestly, is is one of the things over the years, one of the reasons why, I mean, I grew up with dogs. And, and it, it really is sometimes still surprising to me that as an adult, I do not live with a dog um, and, and have not. I've always lived with cats. And part of that is apartment living. And then you get to a point where you're like, I mean, the cats would just rip a dog <laughs> To shreds. That nose um, would be eviscerated. It would yes. just, you know. Which is probably I, how the dog would learn to respect the cats, but it just seems like like too high a price for everyone to pay. And that's what it is. You know, in the in the kind of dog that I want, I love English bulldogs. Unfortunately, they don't live long, but I love English bulldogs and they're very friendly to other creatures. I've done yes. a lot of dog research just in case. And I just thought here's this loving, friendly dog that's just gonna get wrapped in the face. Like, <laughs> I hope it finds a home somewhere else. But, but he'll have an awesome underbite. So that that might make up for a lot. <laughs> I just love English Bulldogs. Hence Cats, the book. Okay, I'm very bad at segues. Uh, <laughs> so what is your favorite poem in Oh, It's You? Do, do you have a favorite? You know what? That depends on, I'd say on the day as if I, each day I turn to my work and I read. No. But um, <laughs> I... Do you reread your own work frequently? I have a very hard time rereading my own work. I, Everything I've written sounds incredibly stupid to me, and it embarrasses me. Um, Here's the thing, and to that point, uh, so I sold this book 2021. Everything was slowing down, because I don't know if you know, but between 20 and 22, there was a thing going on. I seem but, to recall there being I something. Know, I being inside a lot. See, for honestly, I I, I always say this. My husband and I are both writers. We both work from home and our lifestyles barely changed. Like, like only imperceptibly did our lifestyles change, which is kind of an embarrassing thing to admit. No, but it, it, we weathered quarantine very well. <laughs> to a large degree, mine. I mean, I was living with my girlfriend at the time, but a large degree, mine, because nah, I'm more an introvert. I'm an introvert who has cats. What a shock. But the <laughs> other thing is I walk a lot and that's how I write. I write while right. I walk. So, and I tend to walk about eight to 10 miles a day and because that's how I'm writing. And when that couldn't happen, because it is New York City, you don't just walk outside and see no one. 
Right. Even though I did. So I got a bicycle, like a stationary bike, and I put my iPads. I could pretend I'm riding in New York City or occasionally walking New York City because I had a little treadmill. So being outside actually does help me to a great deal. And that's how I write all the, write most of my work. But uh, when I wrote this book, I submitted in 2021. So 2022, I get the comments back. And, you know, not, nothing bad or anything. And that was the first time I had read my manuscript in about 12 or 13 months. And I will tell you, I threw out 90% of my manuscript. And this is a manuscript they had already commented on. And they had okay. already purchased. And I looked at it and I said, no. Now, part of it was you, you get a little tight. But the other thing was like, I was glad for that extra year. Because I said, the narrative isn't there yet. The idea is there, but the narrative isn't there yet. And I wrote it because each book is, most of these books are about, uh, see, I am actually talking about the books. So most of these books, including, oh, it's you, Love Poems by Cats, out next Tuesday, October 3rd. <laughs> but um Otherwise, my publisher, my agent are going to have a heart attack. Uh, and and um, please, people, listen, please do buy the book because I, I'm, I'm starting to feel that your publicist might listen to this and say, she didn't get you to talk about the book at all. And then I'm I'm never going to get to interview, you know, any other authors from your When is so. a wonderful interviewer. Keep, keep using her. She's fantastic. <laughs> please, please do talk me up in-house. I would appreciate she, that. I really she like. is. She's currently in her closet making the most of this, people. <laughs> But uh, but what I did is I looked at it and I was glad for that year. It's like the narrative isn't there yet. And I didn't and I was happy for it. So I that was a long way of not answering your question. But I do occasionally change my mind. Like I could say, like, I could pee on this. There are poems I like. And then later I go, no, this is what I like. I will say there's another book, the sequel. I could pee on this. I can also pee on this. Oh, I could pee on this, too. Wow. See, I, will, I could pee on this, too. Other poems, cats. I will say. I like a lot of poems and that even more than the first one. I like that it because it's like, I've, I've got this. I understand. Still by, still by the first book as well. Um, <laughs> I will read. I am so bad at my stuff. Um, okay. So I'm going to read something to the point that you were saying a little more on drier, but sincere. And that's the whole thing. I try to write all these poems as very sincere. Okay. What the cat is saying is they're not being circumspect. They're not, you know, they're, they are not taking the long way to making their point. What they are saying is true to their heart. And that's the thing that I write for all these poems. Like What the cat is saying is not going for the joke and is not them being sarcastic. It's them saying their truth. That sounded better in my head, but you know what I mean. Okay, no, so this- I mean, I think that actually, I think part of what is inherently funny about cats and and look cats are are funny uh you know i like to think that i bring so much wit and and style to the proceedings but the truth of the matter is cats are funny they were funny long before i got there they will continue to be funny long after i finished writing about them um but i think that part of what is so inherently funny about cats is that they are that they do not perceive themselves as being funny at all that they themselves have really no sense of humor or their sense of humor is all turned outward. They think it's funny when you fall or when they knock something yes. of yours over or off of the table, but they don't perceive themselves as being funny at all. I think that's a really good way of saying it. I think to a degree, I have a feeling cats would really like the Three Stooges. <laughs> it's all physical comedy. For that. Look at the way he took those stairs with his head. I know. I definitely think cats think it's funny. I mean, honestly, I think it's funny when people fall down, but I'm sure I know that cats. <laughs> Sometimes I push them, Chez. You know, you got to go for the comedy. But no. Exactly. But, but cat, you know, unlike dogs, I mean, dogs are, whether or not dogs think that they're funny or even think in those terms, I don't know. But if dogs understood what humor was, they would be willing to try to be funny to entertain you. 
Whereas cats, I think, would always take themselves very seriously. And I think that is a that is actually I like that a lot. And I and I do believe it to be true. So um, I'm sorry, as I'm going through here. Uh, okay, so here's one poem, and this will go to the dresser. This is called "I'm Home," and this is at the beginning of the book, which designates when you first meet your cat and you're moving in together. The beginning okay. of the book. I'm home. My new home, my forever home, is simply everything I thought it would be, based on what I could glean was your particular sense of style. And that would be the cat just walking on. All right. Uh, <laughs> That's about what I'd expect. Yeah. Like, you know, I, um, I could, you know what? That sounds a little passive aggressive almost. Honestly, I, I, it actually sounded but, like yeah. my mom coming to visit. <laughs> <laughs> We're working through a lot of things here, people. Uh, to that end would be, I'm reading just a shorter poem is, um, I have the poem here in the title. I can't find anything. So to me, you will always be that special person who bought the wrong cat bed four times in a row. Four. <laughs> four. And yet I still try to make us work. But but the truth is, it's a trick. There is no right cat bed. You know what? I found them. Where? I. You know what? If you ever see a fuzzy round gray cat bed that's about okay. the size of your cat get it they okay. can't forget them but also never put the cat bed on the floor interesting very interesting the cat bed i put on the floor has never worked put it because they like safety they like to have their own little area occasionally but they like to be off the ground when they're relaxing it's very but important see, but see here's the thing so my cat fanny right she loves sleep in oh. the winter she we we you know we live in we live in jersey city so not not too far oh, from not you far. yeah yeah. And um we we live in, you know, an old an old brownstone type and and um and so it's got like these old these giant old radiators for heating in the winter as a New Yorker I'm sure you're very familiar with them. And Fanny in the winter loves to sleep in front of she loves to be warm. She she cannot be warm enough and she loves to just lie in front of one of them until her belly gets super hot. And so wow. I always put a pillow on the floor for her. And one year I decided to just get her a bed to put in the same spot where I always put the pillow where she lies down. And um, she did not, I mean, suffice it to say that she did not like the bed Aww. at all. And she didn't like any of the subsequent beds. And she didn't like the heated bed, you know, that I got to put in another room that didn't have a radiator in it. And I, so I came to the conclusion that there, that there was no bed that would satisfy her and that she likes the pillows and that's her thing. And that may very well be the case. That I, you know, it's, it's, that's the thing as we were discussing earlier, there is no one through line for a cat. And that's the other thing I try to do here is that there, I think a lot of people assume all cats are the same. And that's not even remotely the case. Because no. all people are not the same. It's not how it works. Again, they all have the cat. I have two cats. They are sisters. They almost look like mirror images of each other. And they are markedly different cats. One of them is extremely affectionate and will follow me everywhere and is very loving and very loving to other people. Will welcome people in the apartment. Hey, come on in, try the dip, you know. And the other cat will keep her distance, very warm. And then every so often we'll have these moments of, why can't I unleash my love on you? And then it's you know, <laughs> clawing up my leg as I'm standing. Like, I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? <laughs> If, if that's her voice when she opens, I'm going to record that because that would be beautiful. <laughs> that that was that was my my very very bad. Uh, uh, what, who's who am I thinking of? Harvey Firestein, I think, <laughs> from oh. like years ago. 
Oh, I God. just want to be loved. Day. Is that so wrong? Oh, yeah. Independent Day. Oh, my God. Martians. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Again, we're, we're getting off into like a weird cats. New York. Oh, it's you love poems by cats, people. It's a good book. <laughs> Once again, my, my publisher's like, I don't even know why we publish his work anymore. He's not going to even talk about it. I think we're discussing it sufficiently. Well, I, so I will ask you this okay. very generous and open ended question. Is there anything uh, about your work about cats that we have not discussed so far, but that you would like my listeners and readers and and potential readers to to know about. Um, oh, that's actually a good question. Um, and now I've got nothing for it. <laughs> it's okay if the answer. I re- I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. It's uh, it's, it's a it's a variation on the question. What question should I be asking that I have not asked yet? And they, and just like that, the conversation derailed. As I still into <laughs> the middle distance for forty five minutes, not realizing you're still recording. Um, again, what I will say is, I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people will adopt a pet, assuming an instant bond, or assuming that um, a personality for the pet. And you can't do that. You have to allow the personality for the cat to come out. You have to have a relationship. And that's what it is. You have to form the relationship with your pet. It t- it's on both sides. You have to allow a time. Like um, Kiki and Lilo. Kiki was automatically, the first time I saw her, the first thing she did, even before I adopted her, she put her paw on my nose. She's good. She's manipulative. She knows how to get away. It's wonderful. But uh, no, I mean, but it was a very affectionate thing. Lilo kept her distance for about two months. But you give it time because this is a new place and she need to do this. So I think you have to respect their space, respect their time in in this because it goes both ways. And um, the other thing I will say, if you get kittens and please, if you can adopt older cats as well, this is not the case here. But if you get kittens, what I have found each and every time is hold them a lot. Get them used to being held. And I've done that each time and I've wound up with very comfortable not anxious cats. I turn on the vacuum cleaner, these cats don't flinch. Lightning happens, these don't, cats don't flinch. Something breaks, they're probably ones who knock it over and broke it, but they don't flinch. <laughs> and so I think that it's sort of like in any other relationship. See how I'm making it wider? So time <laughs> but in any other relationship, it is important to show however you can your love for them. Well, I, you know, I always find it effect. somewhat... Yeah, I mean, I always find it somewhat ironic that that there is a perception that people who have cats are somehow less successful at relationships or or that there is something inherently sort of dysfunctional or antisocial about a person who has cats. Because I, I actually and I, again, I say this as a person who grew up with dogs and lives with cats now um, and and not that one is better or worse, they, but they are very different. And with cats, I think it is more like human relationships in the sense that there is no one blueprint or template and that it is much more about a mutual understanding and coming together than it is about the immediacy of a, you know, master and and dog kind of relationship. The alpha and beta. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, to I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think part of it is like a dog will be you and a cat is you. <laughs> and not in a disdainful way, it's like you. I, I think we can make this work. <laughs> I, I did have one cat and, and it took us. Uh, I, I actually uh, wrote about it, but but we she she took a long time to decide 
that, and, <laughs> that, yeah, that to let me know that I was her person. But you, and that happens. And when I, every time I would get pets, you, there is that little fear. It's like, are we going to bond? I, my Natasha passed away 2010. I didn't get cats until 2016 because I was nervous because I really loved my other two cats and I didn't want to go, I'm going to repeat this relationship. I made sure I got cats that didn't even look like my previous cats because the whole point was I'm not going to repeat. There was a uh, NPR story about someone who had this uh, bull on their farm that they loved. The bull would stick their head through the window and feed it. Absolutely loved it. They cloned that bull and they wound up with a remarkably different animal. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing. And it broke their heart because you well, can't. It's like identical in. twins or not, or not, don't necessarily have the exact same personalities. And exactly. So I think you have to realize that the we're going to be cat specific here, that it is not about immediate because nothing is about immediate in another relationship. You you kind of fill each other out. You you know, there's a little bit of a dance to that. You obviously you're not having a verbal conversation with the cat, but you are, but if you're being honest with yourself, you're talking to the cat constantly. And you're singing songs that have the cat's name until they just leave and don't look at you for two days because they can't take it anymore. You, you but, know, Francesco, I, I think, I mean, this is a book of love poems by cats, but I think it really is a book of love poems to cats. I think you're right. Because I do, as I said, I absolutely love it. I, I, I mean, I feel like that's obvious, by the way. I, I, I was no, trying no, no, to no, act no, like I thought that was a very deep insight, but I, I no, think but that's... You know what? Uh, it was... I'm sorry, I talked over you. I apologize so much. No, no, please continue. Um, no, please, just to keep interrupting me. It's wonderful. <laughs> no guy has ever done that before. But uh, mansplaining is not in this book. Maybe. You you were not interrupting. You were not mansplaining. And and some of this is at the time, like, you know, we are communicating via Zoom, which is an imperfect technology. So you can't always hear when I'm speaking or vice versa. So it, it, it truly is no problem. <laughs> And now from all that, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Uh, but no, it is it is a love for the owners. I don't think I could write this many books about cats if I didn't love spending time both physically, you know, just with the cat in the real world, but also thinking about them. And um, and as I said, I, you know, everyone says they love animals, so that's not a big thing. Anyone who says, I'm not a particular fan of animals, like, okay, we're probably done here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love spending time with cats. I mean, you're someone who, listen, if I had talked to a person I was trying to buy the apartment, like, could I have a baby pachyderm? That would be wonderful because I watch videos of elephants and they're the most majestic creature possible. But uh, sideways again, not cats. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it is. I think you're right. And I do appreciate you saying that. It Each of these books is, I'm very happy to have these times with my pets. And I will be happy that, um, you know, odds are I might outlive them. Who knows? You know, I don't know. I don't know who I've ticked off, you know, but uh, <laughs> I, I just dealt with a stock. I just seriously actually just uh, put a stalker situation to to bed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. There, she... No way I'm making jokes about this. I'm actually reacting. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I mean, she you know, she would say she was sending me like creepy emails, but um. But then she like started, you know, she was using the contact form on my website and she used my mother's full legal name as the, you know, return. So in other words, indicating that she oh had God. done enough research on me to to find my mother's full legal name, including maiden name. Um, but I, uh, I, I handled the situation. 
I'm very happy. And I want you to know this is indeed audio. But yeah, my jack is slow. My jack is slow. There we go. My jaw is slack. My jack is slow is what we're going to do. <laughs> it was supposed to be a remarkably sincere and horrified reaction. And that's how I said it. But, no, that's okay. Um, you know, I don't know if she thought she was being cute or if it was actually supposed to be a threat. Like, I like I don't know if she just thought she was being funny sending it and not, you know, like, like that she was going to, ooh, I know your mom. Or if she was actually trying to, like, tell me, I know who your mom is, you know, and I know where she is kind of thing. Um, but I, I, well, I, I, I tracked her down and yeah. I um, put an end to it. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's a, that's a conversation. I, I, I had. I have not had that with the books. I had that once with the comic strip. Which really? Was. Really? Yeah, again, remember, cats, book, funny, ha. As <laughs> <on> this <laughs> and I this is a, what they that. call a wide-ranging conversation. <laughs> you know what? This is when you know you're having a good conversation. It covers so many topics. So many topics. But this was years ago, because I'm going to use the word answering machine. So it's probably around 2000, the word, two words. And someone apparently had found my number. And they left a message saying how they hated my comic strip, Sally Forth. They knew I lived in Manhattan. They had my phone number and they were coming up to kill me. Oh, my God. Is a little aggressive for a comic strip reaction. And <laughs> because it's like I, it's at that point where you go, were you yelling at the characters in the strip when they didn't flinch? You decide to go after the writer next. And I mean, I've got it hate mail, but everyone who writes anything gets hate. Yeah, mail no, it. absolutely. And, you know, and I've written back to people when I thought, you know, there's a point there. And I've written back and I've realized most people assume they're yelling into the void. And when a voice comes back, the tone can often change. Not always, but you can actually end up having a conversation. But I wouldn't always suggest it, you know. But um, with this one, he just said, and I just heard the message. And I will say not because I'm a remarkably brave individual. It was sort of, you know what, if you can muster the effort. If your mom can give you the bus fare, <laughs> you know, if this is the first time you're getting in your apartment and feeling your life and feeling what your goals are, go for it. And uh, they didn't. That is creepy, well, though. I, I, I mean, that is disturbing. Oh, that was, it was, I mean, I was, uh, I think I was married at the time. And um, yeah, it was just sort of, oh, hear this message. Like, should we be concerned? It's like, I'm going to guess not. And considering it's been 20 something years I mean, maybe playing a long game. Maybe it's a long range play. Maybe it's somebody playing the long con. That's just you know? saying, you know, let <laughs> him long range easy. plan. Let him get used to it. Let him even enjoy a little success. Maybe it'll have something to do with cats. This person <laughs> was very perceptive. A couple of decades yeah. go by. Now let, let him, you know what? When he's a little older, maybe his knees aren't as great. He can't outrun me at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I walk eight to 10 miles a day. I'm outrunning you. <laughs> it's funny i actually once got a, an email from someone um and again it was through the contact form on my website so it was you know sort of anonymous um but somebody who had not enjoyed my book and or one of my books and um and said i i, I saw i saw your author picture on the back of the book what are you smiling at and oh, <laughs> i could only hear it in like a thick, like, what are you smiling at? You, you know, smiling? like in a thick Long Island accent. I have no idea where this person was actually from. And uh, I, was like, I mean, I was just, you know, uh, smiling. The photographer was friendly. I thought it'd be nice to smile in the picture. I don't see why. <laughs> it has become a matter of, of judgment or speculation. 
Well, I mean, it's a good thing I don't have my photos in these books. Right. There uh, you go. You know what? But I always wanted to do that where it would be just me, but with a pipe. I don't smoke. With a pipe <laughs> and one of those blazers with the leather patches on the thing with a, with an eddy of leaves around my feet. I basically want to, I want a jacket photo from 1974. <laughs> I was going to say. You yeah, want to be John just, Updike circa, circa 1974 exactly. is what it sounds like it's to me. Like, so this is going to be a book about relationships in a uh, you know Anglo-Saxon community in Connecticut. Nope. It's about cats. You know, but uh, somehow it always comes back to the cats, which is probably a good thing. And and that's speaking the of that line of life. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give you give us give us the uh, the what, the where and the when the name of the book, when it comes out, where we can find it. Thank you. It is. Oh, it's you. Love poems by cats. It is published by Chronicle Books. See, I mentioned the publisher. It is Chronicle <laughs> Publisher Book. It comes out Tuesday, October third, which is a week from this recording. I don't know how it will time with the uh, with the broadcast, but uh, that sounds like such an old word, broadcast. But yeah, so oh, it's you love poems by cats. It um, I like it. I've gotten good reviews for it. Uh, it is. Available- it is a genuinely Hopefully- delightful book. I will say it is a gen- truly genuinely delightful book. Thank you. It it is uh, available where books are sold. It is available online. Uh, also, if you wish, you can follow me on Facebook at Francesco Marciuliano Author, which will be the longest thing you will type in Facebook, but you will find me that way. Uh, you can also befriend me on just Francesco Marciuliano, normal. I, there aren't a lot with my name, so you should be able to find it quickly. <laughs> and there'll be a cat as my avatar, which will also be a clue. And um yeah, I think uh, I do think it would make a nice holiday gift. And if you want to extend it, it'll make a nice Valentine's gift. But I mean, do the holidays. It's first. So. We'll, start, we'll start with the holidays. Um, I, it's, know, it's hard to believe we're already there. So we get other publishing. You know, we, we, want, we want another print run. But um, it's uh, I do hope you like it. And it is hopefully true to Cat's voice. But also, I do want you to know that it is a humor book. But it is, as you actually said very well, it is a love for cats. Well, Francesco, thank like you so, so much uh, for taking the time to speak with us and and for being here on the podcast today. And and really, I wish you the best of luck with it. It's it's a it's like I said, it's a delightful read. It really is. Thank you. Thank you. Gwen. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. Don't forget to join us next week for another all new episode. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.